Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to the Courage to Change, a recovery podcast. My name is not Ashley Loeb Blassingame, as you can probably tell already. I am your producer, Christiana Kimmick. We are giving Ashley the week off. She works very hard and she definitely deserves a vacation. So I had to steal her her catchphrase. Today, we are really excited to welcome Christina Kimbrough on as our guest for the week. Christina was born and raised in Cleveland, Ohio. She's a childhood survivor of abuse, and she grew up in a very strict evangelical Christian environment with no TV, radio, or any sources of media in her house. She struggled with anxiety for as long as she could remember, but she didn't pick up a drink until she was about 21 years old. Once she started, her drinking started progressing very quickly. After being diagnosed with a panic disorder at age 25, her anxiety dovetailed into suicidal ideations, and she finally hit her bottom in January of 2020, which is this year, when she decided she needed help. After moving back home to get help and then continuing to drink for a few more months, she finally entered IOP treatment. IOP, for anyone who doesn't know, is, is stands for Intensive Outpatient Program and it's an intensive treatment program uh, for people um, who are either in rehab or coming out of rehab. And Christina finished her treatment the first week of lockdown from the COVID-19 pandemic. So this is a really great one, you guys. Uh, We'd put out a PSA wondering if anyone had gotten sober during COVID or was attempting that. And Christina answered us and she filled out a podcast guest application and Shout out to Christina because she's also a dancer like me. Um, And we were so excited to hear her story. She's very candid about everything. She's candid about her journey and talks about uh, her recovery during the pandemic and what that's been like, the tools that she has been finding continuously, including our podcast um, as part of her recovery tool belt. And we couldn't have been more excited to have her on and sharing her story So if you'd like to hear what it's like getting sober in a pandemic, I now present to you the fabulous Christina Kimbrough, episode 83. Let's do this. Okay, I can do it. Yes. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You know how, I don't know, you know how when like someone says you see those things from your childhood and it's like, if you know what this is, you're this old. It's Mm kind of like that with sobriety where someone like says, like, I don't, I don't feel as sober as long as I am. But like, you just start putting like nine months, you probably never imagined you know, that's probably insane, no, right? It flew. It flew. Yeah. It's been crazy. I'm sure we'll talk about it because of COVID. But yeah, I mean, it totally flew. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, my sober date is literally a month before COVID hit. <laughs> like, that, I mean, so I don't even my, know what to say. I don't know if that's a good thing, bad thing. I, what are you, I, is I mean, it good? I, you know, I don't know because I don't know anything else. You know what I mean? But um, right, right. Okay, fair. I will say... I was a bar fly. And so when I got out of treatment, um, the bars were shut down. So that was good. <laughs> I never even thought of that. Yeah. I was like a by myself, go to the bar type of person. And so, yeah, yeah. I mean, go home and drink after that. I've drank. No, I mean, drink, but I'll, like, yeah. Obviously, let's not get crazy. Yeah, yeah. Don't shut the party down, right? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that was good, but it's, 
it's just, you know, what's been hard is like all my in-person meetings. Yes. Yes. You know, I went to AA for like a month and then, you know, I had a, um, this is something I think I told Christiana, I don't want to share, but I had a sponsor relapse. My first sponsor ever relapsed and she had 10 years sober, you know? So it's just like a lot of crazy shit happened, you know? And, and, and it's just scary. Cause yeah, she had, she was like, you know, rock star sober, you know, AA foundation, like all the things like got me sober. She's like, what, you know, one of those, like, what are you doing? Like, cause I was going in and out of the rooms. I was drinking still. And she was the one that was like, like the hardliner, like what's going on? Like, you're in or out. Like, what are you doing? Anyway, and she relapsed. Honestly, so. honest, I, I I encourage you to share it. You don't have to share a name, but I encourage you to share it because it is, I, the, the importance of understanding that how many years, like I'm about, I'll be 15 in January. And the importance of understanding, like that's, that's a huge accomplishment. I'm I won't downplay that, that it is a huge accomplishment. However, you and I are the same. Like, let's not get it twisted. I saw a, you know, I saw a picture of Hunter Biden with a crack pipe in his mouth and was like, yeehaw, let's party. Right? Like it's it's just it's it's there. It doesn't go anywhere. You just learn over time. So having a sponsor with that amount of time who's the hardliner, who's all the things, and you're like, well, if she can do it, I can do it. And then they go out. It is such a valuable lesson early on that we are not immune and you do not have like it is a daily you you're paying insurance on a yeah. daily basis daily reprieve yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah it is and it's and people think like and in some ways i think that the longer you're sober this more like there's a certain point that you get past where i think it's actually more dangerous that you're going to drink because you're you're further away from that feeling of desperation. Cause like I sure. look back, you don't remember it. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I look back and that person is so different than who I am today. And that person was so young and I, you, I could give you the stories. I'm like, well, I was really young and blah, blah. And you've heard my story, right? I did. Yeah. 19. That's amazing. I, I will get into it, but I started at like 19, 20, but yeah, that's amazing. I still can tell myself that it was, uh, that it was just the age. Like I literally, like after everything you heard, I'm like, I was young and experimenting and everybody goes through a heroin phase. <laughs> Cocaine, meth. Yeah. yeah. Everybody gets kidnapped. Yeah. It's just <laughs> part of growing up. You know, come home when the lights, the street lights yeah. come on, do a little heroin. It's just part of growing up. I mean, my head will li literally tell me that stuff. Like, Ashley, you're a grown ass woman. You can blah, 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 blah. But, and that's where that danger piece is because I could create a story for you. And if you're not in recovery, I could definitely convince you of that. Like, if you are not a person in recovery, You'd be like, well, like, I mean, that makes perfect sense. And if yeah, you're a person in right. recovery, you'd be like, shut Bullshit. your ass up, get your ass to a meeting. To a meeting. Yeah. yeah. Call your sponsor. <laughs> you are in big trouble. Right. Well, it's funny you said that because I think I listened to the Jody Sweden episodes. I don't know. I loved that. It was because I love Full House, like everyone. But you, you, I think you said it was like, this is a disease that tells you you don't have a disease. The only disease that tells you you don't have a disease. Yeah. Right? You, you get cancer and you're not like, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> maybe you are. Maybe you are. Maybe maybe yeah, if you're an but, alcoholic, you get yeah. cancer and tell yourself you don't have cancer. But most people, it's the only disease that tells you you don't have a disease. What kind of f 
fucked up disease is that? Oh my God. <laughs> I just, I was telling Christiana, I said, I was like, you know, I just went through this. I told my sponsor, I was like, you know, maybe it wasn't that bad. Like right? maybe I, maybe I was in a overreacted. phase. Overreacted. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what? I, was, I had a lot of anxiety and yeah. just like, it was a bad season. And she's totally. like, yeah. stop. Like, yeah. just don't even walk down that path. Like don't yep. even like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Turn around. Yeah. Uh-huh. That was and and it's, I have you worked through all 12 steps yet? I'm on four. You're on, on four. four. Okay. So, oh, good. So then first step was, so you got, what was your sobriety date? What's your sobriety? Uh, date? February 3rd of this year, 2020. February 3rd. That's yep. rad. Okay. Yeah. So, so in the first step, when you admit to your, when you, um, it, your life's unmanageable and you're powerless, right? right? And you write right. down all of the all ways. All the unmanageable, yeah. So for me, one thing that was very helpful was to keep that on hand because when right. I start to go through the the phase thing, right? The phase, the, that whole rigmarole, that writing, looking at that, when I look at like what unmanageable and what powerless looks like, it's really hard to make your first step look like a phase. Yes. In oh my, my experience. Because so I've tried. <laughs> I love that. I'm going to do that because I do. I have it. That was actually, it must be like a thing because my sponsor had me do that right away. And I like, I started and I was like, oh my God, I have like 20 things. <laughs> Everything. Everything. Like, Everything. Like, I have like long stories yeah. about things too. Like mm-hmm. how is this unmanageable? How is this powerless? How many times I say, okay, I'm not going to do this and then I'm doing it. When you look at that and when you're doing the like, this is a phase, it was a really stressful year <laughs> that, you know, uh, I'm five foot six and that makes yeah. me drink and then all the things you do, <laughs> yeah. then looking for me, looking at that first step over and over again, whenever my head would get into that was very helpful because it was like, like you said, it was like, no phases don't include like kidnappings and car chases. Yeah. Yeah, like, <laughs> like no. becoming a ward of the state of California, yeah. right? Like that's yeah. not that's not a phase, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's not it's not mm-hmm. normal. But I forget all of those things that I wrote down within pretty quickly. Um, is that it's so common for us in like recovery? It's so interesting. We, we call it the built-in forgetter. Okay, we have a built-in okay. forgetter. We have yeah. amnesia. That's the thing that keeps us going back to the drink, right? Is that we feel, we, we, we forget the pain that's caused. And we only remember this like teeny tiny sense of relief that we get. And then we just keep, we keep doing, it's like a shitty relationship, right? Where you're like, but this one time he brought me roses and it felt so good. And maybe if we're together another three years, he'll do that once more. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm going to stick around. Like our standard. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> just, yeah. Right. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah. Where are you? Uh, where are you right now? I am in my home, in, but I'm in uh, Norfolk, Virginia. My husband is in the Navy. So I heard you talking about California. We actually met in San Diego, like La Jolla area. Oh, awesome. So, <laughs> yeah. He was stationed there and my brother was a Marine and they, just, they were friends and... The rest is history. 
Yeah, but I'm from Cleveland, Ohio, and I moved home in January of 2020 to get sober because I was I live here in Norfolk uh, with my husband. We're stationed here, but it was just we'll get into it. But yeah, I mean, I needed to separate. We're not legally separated, but he was drinking and I was drinking, and it was just like he's like, "You need to go home," and I said, "Yeah, I I do." (laughs) (laughs) Get me home. Yeah, I had been trying to stop for like two years, and you know, it just. I just couldn't do it. And so I went home, um, kept drinking at home because I was like, oh, I'll uh, move and that'll change everything. Like your addiction goes with you. You know what I mean? Like I mean, nothing will like, change it. I, I, but that's, we're going to c- try to convince ourselves of anything. Yeah. So I appreciate yeah. the struggle. I appreciate, oh, I appreciate yeah. that you tried to make it about the location because I totally I get that. It's like weird? Virginia, man, that place yeah. just makes yeah. me drink, but I'll be fine yeah. in Ohio. Totally. 100%. Oh, it yeah. was. I was like, oh, it's here. I'm close to bars, but like yeah. I moved in with my grandma who like literally is one of those weirdos had like two drinks in her life, you know, yeah. like just yeah. drink. And I moved back and I was like sneaking to like freaking Applebee's and like, sh- I know I like a, I had a counselor. I Only the to, highest quality alcohol. Yeah, yeah. I had an outpatient counselor. I went to outpatient who was like this. He like only made fun of you like an addict. Yeah, 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 you know yeah, what yeah, I mean? yeah. Like totally. He was like, you were really living your best life on a Monday, like at Applebee's sure. drinking. Sure. And I was like, Ooh. you know like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. when it lays it out for you're like excuse me yeah. <laughs> i was really? the classiest person at apple people <laughs> have you know the sexiest woman in the bar <laughs> oh my god i love you yeah well it would i mean not i i, I get yeah, it, I mean, it you gotta crazy. you gotta go where you're number one. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i love you I feel like oh, so friends, good. But, yeah i mean that was like my watering hole. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, cause I, I could, so like what happened to me is at my low, I, they took my keys to my car cause I was driving drunk. Applebee's took your keys. Oh no, sorry. Oh. <laughs> my family did. My family oh, okay. Did. I was like, Oh, no, that's, that's, that's happened before, but yeah, but yeah, not this time. Okay. Not this time. So, um, no, so my family, I kept drinking it was really bad. And so we came up with like, my family was like, Hey, you came here to get sober. Like, this is what we're going to do. And so he took my keys and they took my debit card. And so I, this is funny now, but I would ask my grandma, she would drive me to, I was doing the 90 and 90, like yeah, yeah, 90, yeah. Um, to AA meetings. And so I'd be like, oh, you know, Bubba, like this is my grandma. I said, I just need a few dollars for the AA donation basket. Well, mm-hmm. I would hoard the dollars and take no, them for sure. you know, and then, and then when I got my du- shitty Budweiser for like three bucks or whatever, I'd flirt with the guy down the bar and get yeah, one. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean, naturally. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, you, you got to stretch every yeah, dollar so and asset that you have. Uh-huh. I appreciate uh-huh. that. No, no. It's you- so funny. And only addicts will understand or alcoholics will understand this because my friends would be like, how did you get drinks without a debit card? And I was like, there's ways. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, not that hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. How did you not? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, you're, so you're not so resourceful, are you, friend? Right. Um, <laughs> like, so, but you grew up in a really interesting environment. You grew up, yeah. you grew up evangelical yeah. and no TV, no media, um, which yeah. honestly at this point sounds kind of nice. I know. I agree. <laughs> I know. Well, it's funny. I'm kind of doing that. I've seen like, not like I limit my TV consumption. Yeah. 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 Yes. yeah. Yes. It was, it was done for you, but yeah. so, so evangelical Christian and you struggled with anxiety and the yeah. church. So tell me about, so let me, let me say this. 
I know about evangelical from a pretty surfacey level of like of like a group of different people who typically really want you to love Jesus. And, but I know, I know there's like more intense evangelical and then there's, you know, and then there's kind of more mainstream evangelical. So what kind of help us understand for those of us lay people, what your household was like? Sure. So, so like evangelical, they take everything literally in the Bible pretty much. Okay. Okay. And the big distinction is that they believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and like you need to accept him or you're going to hell. Like that's the premise. Okay. Um, And so I (laughs) got it. I know. Yeah. Talk about childhood trauma. Like I remember being someone died for me. Yeah. And then if you don't accept that, you will burn in hell. Like I mean, actually burn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We used I, to call it fire insurance, like salvation. Yeah. yeah I went to Catholic school for eight <laughs> yeah, years. I would just say that. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I mean, I'm familiar with, and I'm familiar with, the, I, I didn't feel, I think the evangelical piece must be like, we heard that, you know, Jesus died for our sins. Like that was definitely talked about, but I don't, I don't think it, and hell was mentioned, but I don't, I, it sounds like this was probably like a daily conversation for oh, you. Oh, daily. Oh my God. And it's funny you said that because we would do altar calls. Do you know what, have you heard of an altar no. call? Is? Okay. Oh, no, hit me. Oh, hit, me, hit me with the call. Oh, please open my world. I need to know. <laughs> yeah. So, um, the pastor would typically give like a sermon and at the end would scare you to shitless that you were going to die and go to hell. So right. he would open the, the altar up so you could go up and receive Jesus. And there would be like people up there to pray okay. with you. Okay. I went up probably 20 times because I just like needed to make you, sure. Yeah. Honestly, that, I, that I makes complete sense. Why yeah. not? It's such yeah. a, yeah. that's a low cost for a, for a, for a exactly. painful <laughs> death, right? Like I'm going to go up and get me some Jesus so that I, like, Oh, all I have to do is walk up to the altar to not die a fiery death. Right. Done. Literally. Exactly. Done. And I, I remember hanging out here five. Yeah, I did it at five. Oh, and I was, I remember being like a smart kid, right? Like, for yeah, the most yeah, part. Yeah. I'm like, well, cause the premise of what they said is like, you are fallen, right? Like we're fallen from away from God. Um, because Eve at, or ate the apple, you know, that, do you know right, that right. story? So, oh yes. I know the story. Wait, so yeah, okay. go back up a little bit, but there, that's not a parable in evangelical. Like that's no. not, a, no, no, no. Like no, that's real. she, yeah legitimately yeah. ended humanity because talking snake apple yeah. in the garden of Eve. Yeah. Like that was it done. Yeah. See, yeah. uh, the rest of the so rest like, of humanity is, is totally. F-ed. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. And a woman did it. We won't get into that. Of yeah. course. Anyway, right. Of course. Oh, she not. So, <laughs> I know. Dumb ass talking so, to the animals. <laughs> she did that. Like, Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, so we are fallen and we're all born sinful. So therefore my sin separates me from God. So that's why Jesus died on the cross to get me to God. Right. And I just remember thinking at five, I was like, what did I do to get sent to hell? Like, I don't even know what sin is. You know what I mean? Like, right, like right. Did, I, did I hurt my brother? Like, they you know, like I, so they don't describe what sin is. They tell you that it's just like anything that like hurts the heart of God type thing. So pretty vague, but I mean, so there was just like guilt and shame was like, yeah, yeah, really yeah, yeah, built, you were like, just... yeah, rearing <laughs> to become an alcoholic. Yeah. Here's just the, that was, you, you applied your daily shame and, and yeah. guilt as a morning mm-hmm. ritual. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, exactly. So yeah, I mean, I would imagine if you thought, see, cause from my perspective, because it wasn't in my home, it wasn't my school, but it wasn't in my home. I was, I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. 
why would him dying help me? Like I literally, I mean, I'm still question. I still have some questions about that premise, but like literally, like why does someone need to die to help my sins? Like, what does that, how does that help anything? Like what, what are we doing here? And so I would come home with all these questions. And of course I have a Jewish father who's like, you know, three rungs down from a rabbi at this point. And, and my mother's Episcopalian where gays can get married and women can be priests. So Mm -hmm. I would come home asking these questions and they were like, it's a parable, honey. Just don't worry. Like it's a metaphor. It's a metaphor for like sacrifice. And, you know, so I was like, all right, okay. Whatever. Metaphor for sacrifice. So I heard the stuff and just, and was like really translated, but I can't imagine what it must've felt like as a little kid thinking that there was something really wrong with you because you have, and you have no idea, but you look around and everybody else is on board. Right. So it must be true. Right. And another thing I always, you'll probably find this funny slash interesting. We used to, so I was also part of the Pentecostal church. Do you, have you ever heard anything about Pentecostal? I just know it's intense. Mm -hmm. Like if someone says I'm part of the Pentecostal church, I know that means like, Ooh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know what that means. So it's an experience. If you ever go to church, they speak in tongues. Have you ever heard of that? Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. I am dying to go to a church with tongues and snakes. Yeah, uh, yeah. I've never seen a snake, but they do speak in tongues, which is like, I can't even do it. My parents, my mom and grandma can do it. But like, so it's like um, the Holy Spirit infills you and like you speak language like that God gives you, I guess. And then someone interprets it usually like it's a message from God. Oh, someone I, in, I didn't know there was interpreters. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, oh, that's kind of mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, it's different. I thought, I thought you just talked. Some people do. And then it just depends if God okay. speaks to someone. But so they would also lay hands on you and you would like okay. fall, right? Yeah, yeah. So my girlfriend and I were probably like 11 or 12. And it made me think of this because you said you do what everyone around you is doing. And um, so they were preying on us. And like everyone was fly, falling like flies. And my girlfriend and I look at each other and we're like, should we, should we fall? And we're like, okay, three, two, one, and we fall. And then we're like laying there and we're like looking at each other. I'm like, do you feel anything? She's like, no. (laughs) I know. And then we're like, okay, wait, should we get up? No, it hasn't been long enough. So right, right. Like closing your eyes. And then like we get up and we're like, oh, the Holy Spirit. Right, right, right. right. I've carried the story with me forever. (laughs) It feels so good to get it out. Oh, good. I'm glad you could guess. Let let it up. I mean, I I honestly that makes complete sense to me. I mean, I I would say even in Catholic school, as someone who wasn't Catholic, I did a lot of the rituals. Like we did feet feet washing and I was like I yeah. was like, why, why, I don't yeah. want any part, yeah. you know, but you just do right. it. Cause like, yeah. why not? Yeah. And so I get that. I think, I think it's interesting. You know, I think that I have a very spiritual life and sure, have sure. a relationship with the higher power. That's my yeah. own. And mm-hmm. I have a lot of close friends who have, you know, relationships with Jesus and yep. God and, and, yep. and Krishna, whatever. And so I'm, I'm cool with that. I think the part where you lose me is the guilt and shame on particularly on small children, but in general, like, I just don't think it's useful. So that's the piece, right? That where, and, and it's, it is kindling for an alcoholic. Yes. Right? Oh my God. You just, it's just, oh. you're just, mate, you're just, I, said I was like primed. <laughs> right. You're just getting, you're just getting that fire ready yeah. for, for, uh, for a huge, <laughs> just one tiny spark. And I think, I think that that's, you know, really an important piece of your story, which is you were told something was wrong with you. Yeah. 
Right. Oh, yes. hundred percent from the get go. Right. And so I had this like, and I think a lot of us alcoholics do, you know, but I was perfectionistic with everything, like my appearance, just everything, you know, school grades, just always happy. Right. So like whatever was going on inside, like I couldn't feel it, couldn't express it and then had to be perfect all the time. So yeah. And then it just expressed itself later on through alcohol for sure. And you, you were a survivor of abuse and did that, how did that fit into the religious aspect or did it or not? Oh, hundred percent. It did. Um, so there was like domestic violence in my family and it was between my parents and the church kind of told my mom like, Hey, you know, you're not being a good wife. Like, right. Okay you know, like, or you can't leave your husband. So there's a lot of that going on. And so it's very confusing in my childhood, obviously, because I just did, didn't know. Yeah, yeah, I just didn't know. And so, yeah, religion played a huge part in that. But I will say it, it was such a blessing. It's unbelievable. My parents are still together and like healed. Like they're in recovery. Oh, they that's actually awesome. Do, I know. They're not from alcohol. I yeah, grew yeah, up, yeah. weirdly enough, no alcohol in my family. So I'm special. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, they're in recovery. They do celebrate recovery. I don't know if you've ever yeah, heard of that. I have. Yeah, they do it. And they're great. I mean, I love, like, healed relationship completely. I mean, it's, That's like, awesome. healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I'm 30, 30, almost 32. And, like, it's taken a while. But, like, I've Look, forgiven them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. so awesome. That's so awesome. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. know, the truth is that hurt people hurt people. And right. and so a lot of the time, we, those of us who have been hurt, are hurt by people who have unresolved issues. Does that make it okay? No, I'm not giving people, you know, like, oh, if you've been hurt, you can hurt other people. But it does give some explanation around it. Like it does give like, why does this person who does love me, who's in my home, why do they, you know, why am I hurt by them? Well, they have unresolved issues, which is why getting sober and dealing with your issues is just so important for generational, intergenerational trauma, right? Because you are healing you know, whatever happened with your dad and your mom, had they been to celebrate recovery before you were born, right? right? right. I mean, I guess with I guess with the the original sin piece, you know, you still you still have a check against you, yeah. but you know, right. it's, right. it's progress, right. Right. and uh, and so that would have been one last thing. So I think you know, for you, you mentioned you didn't have children yet. Like you are yeah. doing the work to stop right. that trauma from going on and on, and it's not because yep. you wouldn't love your kids or you don't don't care. It's just, we all have, I mean, I think I look at my husband sometimes and like, well, we're going to be seeing this in uh, 10 years in in therapy. (laughs) I wonder about that. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. I'm like, oh, here we go. Like we should just write, we should just write it down and bring it in the first time we go into a family counseling (laughs) session. Like we know, we already know, we already know he freaked out. I don't know. It wasn't good here. Right. (laughs) So, so no alcohol in the house, but you did have, um, you did have, you know, conflict and, and, and some amount of abuse. What, when did you start drinking and how did anybody know, or was that within the evangelical yeah. community? So yeah, it was not like in the church at all. Like again, never around it. My family didn't drink fa- 
friends and family didn't drink, but I did go to college and I drank. That was my first drink. I was like 19 or 20 and I blacked out and puked all over myself. You Naturally. Know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. my friends are all like having fun and like yeah. Christina's like naked in a corner. Like, <laughs> yeah, for like, sure. I mean, my shirt came off and I was like, it wasn't like a sexual assault. Like it was just like, my friends were like, you were on the table. And I was like, what? Like, they're like, you're on the table with your shirt off. And I was like, oh, okay. You yeah. know, I mean, and they're like, we just let you puke and monitor you. And that was yeah. it. You know, I feel like it's like, I drink alcohol and I get, I'm like, oh, I'm hot. And I just take yes. my clothes off. That's exactly how I was. Oh, and I'm naked. an extrovert and yeah, like, yeah, yeah. no shame. Yeah. Like, whatever. Totally. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And so like, yeah, I mean, and so that was a horrific experience. So interestingly enough, I did not drink again for a while and going how long is a while like three or four years oh wow okay a real while i know isn't that weird no it's so, impressive a real while yeah good. yeah okay. so what happened with that is that i went to following the evangelical christian i didn't know anything else so i we went to a school evangelical christian yeah. school that makes sense and sounds crazy but we really didn't drink like it was just kind of we were dancing and all kinds of fun stuff. We just didn't drink. I think that's so, awesome. You guys learned oh how to have gosh. you learned how to oh. have fun without alcohol. That's I great. Mean, I look like my college. I'm so grateful. I don't know what would have happened. No, that's it, that's actually. Yeah. I, I think that's really awesome. I mean, yeah, and no, I'm blessed. Like I'm grateful. So fast forward, I became like a young professional. Got a job. I graduated. Got a job, and then just the happy hours. Everyone else would like leave, and I'm still there at like 3 a.m. shutting the bar down. <laughs> And like, I just have a big personality. <laughs> yeah, I just like people. Okay, yeah. I'm an incredible networker. <laughs> I got all the business cards. Yeah, exactly. You probably did. <laughs> oh, I did. Trust yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just, yeah. I mean, I just started drinking then, and then I had a boyfriend who drank a lot. But here's the thing, you know, it's I was drinking like everyone around me. You know, I'm sure right. you've heard that a million, a million times. Yeah. But like, I just did, right? I'm from Cleveland, so it was like tons of big like breweries and bars and like it was normal. It was just normal. You know, um, I dated a cop and so like that was a big drinking yeah. culture. And then we broke up and then I met my husband and he's in the Navy. That's a huge drinking culture. We met hammered. I mean, the whole weekend we were hammered, you know, and we've been together seven years and drank throughout the whole thing. And he's actually sober now too. He has six, seven months. So he's like right behind me. So... Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I made the choice and I was like, you know, look, you do your own program. Like it's, you know, not you, like it's, you know, you got to make your own choice. And he kept drinking when I left and then had his own decision was like, I want to do this with you. Like we want kids, you know, I'm 32. We're leaning that way. And he's like, we don't, I don't want to be a drunk parent. Like our kids don't deserve that. You know? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So we're both sober and it's, I mean, it's been amazing, right? Like you don't fight as much. Like there's, it's just, (laughs) Unbelievable. Yeah. Imagine yeah. that. Like, yeah. Not, it's like, amazing what happens when you don't put uh, intoxicants and poison into yeah. your body. Who knew? Yeah. Imagine that. I'm like, I told my husband, like, I like you. Like, you're yeah. kind of nice. Like, yeah. Nice. This, like, this could work. This could work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, we're screaming at each other and like, yeah, I mean, it was bad. We're like, I'm divorcing. You don't fucking leave it. All yeah. that stuff. Yeah. And, and then we stopped and we're like, oh my God, like, things are just like quiet and like boring. You know, like we fight about like normal things now. And like I would wake up and be like, I don't want to divorce you. Why did I say that? (laughs) I used to like leave. I would like run out the house and just like leave. Yeah. And walk with my wine glass around the the neighborhood and then come home pounding on the door. You know, like, let me in. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, I, that seems normal to me, but uh, you, 
I think what, it, what you're very lucky or insert another positive word that I can't think of because a lot of couples, when one gets sober and they were drinking buddies or they're, they're, they had a very drinking culture in their relationship, it's very hard for the relationship to to continue. It happens, but particularly if, if the other partner actually has a problem, it's nearly impossible if they don't address it. So it's really cool that that happened because then you're you're doing it together and you can change you can change the the entire relationship including your life and support each other together which makes honestly it makes it much more uh, likely for success not that you can't you know if you're listening and you're getting sober and your spouse is not that doesn't mean that you're going to break up and it doesn't mean you can't do it, it it's just harder it's just harder. Exactly. Yeah. Everyone's different. Exactly. And, you know, and I've told him, I'm like, it's your program. It's your choice. Like, I just know I won't ever drink again, you know, one day at a time, but like, that's my choice. And, you know, I, that's why we had to leave. I had to separate though, because we were drinking, we were playing off each other, right? Like I would drink, then he would drink, then, you know, cause he wanted to stop too. Like it, he knew it was a problem. And so, but together it was a nightmare. And so that's why I was like, I need to leave for the sake of our marriage. And I, and I was like, you know, we don't have kids, like networking, like just go home and recover. Yeah. No, <laughs> so, it's good. I love, so your grandmother that you lived with, she was an evangelical yeah. as well. Yeah, she still is. Yeah. She still is. Mm-hmm. I love, so the story, I want to hear the story where, you know, you're at your bottom and she comes, does she come into Applebee's? Yeah, no, it's, B, so I went to Applebee's, but then I would like upgrade a little bit. I don't know if you guys have them, but it's called BJ's. It's just like a really yeah. nice restaurant. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. This time it was BJ's. Okay. Okay. Pazuki. <laughs> that's all I got to yeah. say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we went to oh BJ's and, God. uh, and, and grandma came in to give you a little love. Yeah. Right. So I, this is so interesting. I, decided I needed treatment. And so I, that day I had gone to like an intake, you know, like how they ask you a bunch of questions and they asked me a bunch of questions. My last drink had been like three days before that. And I just got triggered and it was hard because, you know, you relive everything. everything. And I did what I know best and I lied and I was like, I'm just going to go to Panera. Like I'll just go to Panera. So she drops me off at Panera and it's like, okay, so Ohio, it was winter. It's freezing outside like blizzard and I'm like I have to get a drink like obviously so I walk like a half a mile and I wear heels like I'm big heel wear so I'm like trudging in the snow in my boots and like so make impressed. it to freaking I know to freaking BJ's I have five dollars yeah, from girl. my AA yeah, you do. donation money yeah yeah you and do I'm like three dollar beers like I can get like two beers right yeah. so I drink my two beers I meet this guy I'm married I'm aware I still flirt with him because I got to get the drink no no judgment and- here girl yeah. This is a judgment free thought. Thank you. I know you probably heard it also. Like, um, but so my phone, they were tracking me on my phone, my family, because uh, that's how ba- bad it was. Like, right, right, right. Makes sense. Every, oh, yeah. And so they, and I was lying. I would lie all, out my ass, of course. You know, I was like, oh, BG's is right next to Panera, which it was within like a mile. <laughs> and so my grandma went to Panera. And of course, I'm not there. Like, what the hell did I think, right? Like, she's going to go. And so she goes to BG's and just like taps me on the shoulder. And this guy's sitting next to me. And he's like, oh, who's that? And he's like, does she want to drink? And I'm like, no, she does not. <laughs> and, that is um, my grandma coming yeah, exactly. to collect me at BJ's. Exactly. And so um, 
I just knew it was done, right? Like, I don't know how. I just knew it was done. Like, it was just like, and luckily, I would have gotten shit faced for sure. But I had had like three or four drinks, which, you know, as an alcoholic, I was just starting, you know, and I, and my grandma was very nice, didn't embarrass me at all. She was like, hey, I need you to come home. Like, let's just go home, you know? And I was like, yeah, I want to go home, Yeah, you know? And so, yeah. And so I started treatment the next day, hungover, of course. And I did like eight weeks in outpatient and, you know, I was so bad. Like my addiction was at the place where it was so bad. I know the outpatient saved me because we had to pee in a cup every day. And I remember peeing in a cup in front of someone and I'm not a, I would, I never really did drugs. So this was like, it just wasn't a part of my addiction, but I was like, so I won't have to pee. And they're like, no, you have to pee too. Like you're strong, yeah. you know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. So just the idea of having to pee in front of someone was like humiliating to me. And I didn't, it was just like a very yeah. humbling experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it got me sober though, because I was like, they're like, we could, if you like three strikes and you're out yeah. and I knew I needed help, like I knew I needed help. So I was like, okay, like I'm not going to drink. And so that eight weeks of pushed me through sobriety. I a hundred percent know it did like that first month, you know, or two months was just like having that accountability was huge. Yeah. And again, very, very humiliating. It was a hard experience to have to pee in front of someone. It was like, oh my God, like I've never dealt with this. So stay tuned to hear more in just a moment. Hi, it's Ashley, your beloved host. When I'm not hosting the Courage to Change a Recovery podcast, I'm running the recruiting department at Lion Rock Recovery. We are always looking for amazing licensed mental health counselors, along with various other sales and operations positions that pop up from time to time. The Lion Rock culture is one of collaboration, support, and flexibility. Our employees work from home offices all over the country, utilizing technology to connect to one another. We are always hiring. So if you want to have the best job ever, check out our open positions and apply at www.lionrockrecovery.com backslash about backslash careers. I think it's one of those things where you realize, at least for me, I mean, I, I had to pee in front of people early in my, yeah. in my career. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think for me, one of the things that I realized when that was happening was like, oh, my word doesn't mean anything. I think that was the big thing. Like mm. I can say whatever I want and it doesn't yeah. matter yeah. because yeah. because I have a disease that is so dishonest that I literally what I say does not matter. Mm-hmm. Like they have, they have to take they have to take <laughs> bodily fluid from my yeah from, yeah, from and, me and, and, and vi- watch, watch me. it happen. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. like not only can I. Like I've done, like I've, I take that back. I peed like in test, like for tests for whatever the yeah. doctor and they don't watch you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, so that's what I thought it was going to be. And they were like, no, it's not you. It's just, we know this disease. Like people yeah. lie all the time. Oh yeah. I've, you I've, know, I've done yeah. lots of weird things for pee. To like get out of those stories. I loved outpatient on a side note. Cause you hear so much shit of like things people do. And you're like, especially drug addicts, not judging anyone. Yeah. Wow, y'all are some like creative people. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I <laughs> but, did. Uh, I I got some clean pee in a visine bottle and and tried to use that. Put that you know place where the sun don't shine and tried to use that, but it's like w- way too little. 
Okay, right, right. Like it didn't work. I like didn't think it through, right? So I'm sitting there and like the person is standing at the door and they're like sort of watching, but not fully watching. Oh God. So that's the reason why they watch because they're people like me (laughs) trying to. That's creative though. Yep. People have yeah. lots of, there's lots of ways. There's lots of ways oh, if you're looking for it. Right, right. So you, okay, talk to me. I know you don't know any different, but let's just, well, you got sober right before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you know mm-hmm. a little bit. Of right. I have different. a month. Yeah. yeah. You, have a, you have a month. <laughs> what was it like having, going through all of this stuff mm-hmm. while the world is falling apart? Yeah. I mean, it's been, it's been good because I I can't imagine drinking during this time, you know, like I just can't imagine how awful it would be. I will say a trigger for me. So I, I didn't even tell Christiana this, but part of what I did for a job, I was actually a podcast host and I had a podcast on race. I actually talked about race with a black woman. So it was me and a black woman. Oh, awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I worked in politics before that. And um, I'm bringing all this up because of George Floyd and like it all. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so I was her campaign manager and I was in her world. This woman's black. And um, I'm from North Olmstead, like around all white people. Never. Yeah. Just that's what it is. And um, so I just would say things or do things that like she like culturally wasn't on par. And she like, you know, we had to talk about a lot of stuff. And so we started a podcast called Your Neighbor's Hood, where we would talk about like being in people's neighborhoods that didn't look like us, right? That's so cool. Yeah, thank you. Well, so I bring that up because last year at this time, so I'm, my eyes are being opened to like, she has a son, right? And she told me the story about like, oh, it's like to raise a black son. I'm never going to have to know what that's like, right? Like, so just stuff like that. I'm an empath. So I was taking all of that stuff. And like my mind had been blown open. Like I knew nothing about racial injustice, nothing. And so we did it for two years and I drank throughout the whole thing. And we did a, uh, we used to do events all over this, our city in Norfolk. uh, But this was before George Floyd. Yes. Yeah, and so yeah. what I'm, yeah, yeah. So this is before George Floyd. And so what I'm saying is like George Floyd would have been a huge trigger. I would have been blacked out through the whole thing easily because a huge trigger for me was, you know, and I have white privilege. So I can't even imagine being an African-American through all this and trying to be sober. But, you know, it's another conversation. But so, yeah, I drank through all of that. And so when George Floyd and all of that rolled around, I was like, thank God I am sober. Like I can't because now I can be a better ally. Like I can be there. Right. For my, I right. have a lot of black friends, you know, and like I can be supportive and I can, you know, pay attention and be awake and not numb through everything that's going on because I would, I showed up to events drunk. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately uh, I did, you know, uh, where we talk about race and, you know, stuff like that. And so, yeah, being, it's been a blessing. Like I can't imagine hard for sure, because, you know, I am not working because of the pandemic and, you know, boredom was always a big one for yeah. me. Like yeah, I've always drank big. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm social. So that's another big one. Like, you know, um, living with your grandma, like there's only so much, I'm a runner, but like you can only run and walk so much. Like, right. you know, <laughs> and so like I just get, you know, so like boredom has been a big one to try and beat. So like on the, it's been hard, but obviously worth it. If that makes sense. For sure. Oh, you know? for sure. So, 
Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. I've talked to a bunch of people who got sober during this time. And one of the things that is really cool to hear is how grateful they are to be sober during this yeah. time, which yeah. is interesting to me because as an alcoholic, I'm like, are you kidding? This is the best time to drink. Yeah. I don't want to be a- isolated. Like, yeah. I'm thinking to myself, like when you're like, oh, George Floyd, thank God I'm sober. I was like, I just, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I was so I upset that yeah, I, know. I just wanted to check out. Like I really, I and all of the things that I had used, all of my coping skills around, um, and I think this is the difference, which is that I spent years built, you know, over a decade building coping skills that were fit for an environment that no longer right. existed. So like yes. I, you could go to the meeting, you could go to yoga, you could go like, particularly with young kids in the house, I could go out of the house and do things to self-soothe and that kind of thing. And as soon as we're all locked in the house, I want, I was like, I wish I were drinking because none of these other things feel inadequate. Honestly. Yeah, <laughs> sure. I was like, sure. this is inadequate for what I yeah. need right now. Yeah, and and sure. and I got to talk to people who got sober who were like, I'm just so grateful I'm not home drinking by myself. I'm like, oh my god, that is not at all what I thought it would be. You sure. were say, sure, sure. Well, it's like interesting to hear it from your perspective. And now I'm thinking about that sponsor I was talking about because one of the big things she said is she needed community. So like the Zoom meetings were like nothing. Like I'm grateful and we're grateful for them. Don't get me wrong but like she needed to see people right and like she got isolated with a boyfriend just like a lot of stuff you know and so who was drinking and you know not having that support of like seeing people single mom you know it just so it makes sense it's really about i think what it what's interesting is that it's really about kind of your norm too because you didn't feel or i, I shouldn't say that cuz i shouldn't put those words in your mouth but you you hadn't been going to AA or to support group meetings long enough to feel like you took this this pillar of my life away from me. And I think many of us, you know, dep- the, the idea of deprivation for me and a lot of a, a lot of other drug addicts and alcoholics that I know is very triggering. Like you're going to take something from me. Nobody's going to take. You know, when I quit smoking, when I quit sugar when I get, you know, it's like, you can't take this from me. You can't, you know, I'm, I'm being deprived. You're you're depriving me of my alcohol. You're depriving me of, you know, infidelity. You're depriving me of all these things. Right. And so I think, I think this triggered that you're taking, you're taking this from me. This is what I have. Whereas if, if you're like, oh, I have to figure out how to do, like when you're just kind of like, oh, I'm new and right. there's a, it is what it is. Yeah. it is what it is. And oh, I yeah. gotta, I gotta do this online. Yeah. I think that was the difference because I go to online meetings, but I relied on my in-person, I relied on the combination for me because the combination, because when I am out of my house, I, you know, I get a reprieve in the, you know, I would go Monday evenings and I was, I didn't have to put the kids to bed. And I got like, it was with my, you know, it had like a whole thing. So it's not that I'm not getting that online, but that was a part of my whole thing. And so it broke all those things down. And I, I really felt like I do not have adequate skills to combat the, these feelings because those feelings were so big. But, sure. but 
also, I wasn't scared enough of the drink, right? Because it Mm -hmm. wasn't close enough to me. Right. So the value of getting sober that soon, right? You you remember exactly what that feels yeah. like, right? You're like, uh, yep. this is bad, but not as bad as that. You know, yeah, not exactly. as my grandma yeah. coming to get me. Right. Right. And yeah. whereas I'm right. whereas I'm not thinking about my bottom. I'm not like I'm not emotionally back there. I'm just thinking about my, you know, this this support going down. And so interesting to me that in my head, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't even imagine what it would be like to get sober right now. Those poor people, blah, 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 blah. But in truth, we're relieved. Yeah. You guys are relieved. (laughs) Thank God. (laughs) And, And I was thinking like, oh, people must be like, you know, oh, I wish I were home by myself drinking like, cause that's, that's my alcoholism, right? Like, sure. like right. don't right. you want to be home alone drinking during a right. pandemic? Sounds and, great. Yeah. No like, one's going to bother you. Right. You're working from home. Like, right. It, every no excuse in the world, like all of that. So it's really cool and really interesting to hear about getting sober now. And, and that dichotomy between those of us who've been sober a long time, who actually probably struggled more than yeah. the people who had that reminder, right? you know, right around right. that time. Yeah. Something I'll add too, that's interesting. It's like, you know, you always look for the good or like you also, you said you kind of like you do, like you have to adapt. Like I don't have AA, so I call it mo- modern recovery. So right when I started deciding to get sober, I read two books, quit like a woman by Holly Whitaker. And then we are the luckiest by Laura McCowan. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy. They came out literally the month before I got sober. I got sober at a very interesting time. And so they were pivotal. And so I bring that up because I've used both. They have online schools yep. and like programs. So I do, we are the luckiest with Laura McCowan. She is like, it's like AA, but you pay for it. Right. Um, support group. And it's been life-changing. I'm in a text group with like women from Cleveland, like that I've met. And there's like 200 people on these meetings of, you know, so that's been amazing. And then I did an online six week program with the Tempest where you learn about like anxiety and triggers. And so like, you know, um, I found your podcast. That's another thing is I've just dived into like Quitlet and like podcasts, you know, and just Instagram's a huge one. Like I've met so many, I've done like happier hours with women from the UK, like, Oh, that's just, so rad. I know where we drink like sparkling water or mocktails and just like hang out Love on it. Zoom. Yeah. yeah. Well, like I've made sober friends from all over the world. Right. And so, because you just I, had to show, cause you were I like, had to. you had I to had show to. up and you were like, yeah. Oh, okay. I guess this is what I'm doing where the rest yeah. of us were like, what do we do? This is yeah. not in our book. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. And it's funny you said that because we laughed about that, like at, in ARAA, like we did a group conscious on Zoom and we're like, the big book has like no guidelines for like having groups in a pandemic. Right. Right. Like, what, like no one, what do we do? Right. So like, yeah, it's interesting. And so my recovery has like, I termed it modern recovery just because it's like, I've done like some Buddhism. Um, also, I love that. Like I've done online Buddhist recovery meetings. So it's just been like this a whole combination of really cool ways to recover. So obviously I prefer in person and I wouldn't wish this on anyone, but like, I don't know what I met these people. Like what I, I don't know what I, would I shared my story? I don't know. So that's another reason. Like I started on Instagram. I came out after a month sober and shared and people have asked me like, why would you share so early? And I was like, well, because one, I'm getting sober during a really crazy time. Like this, I don't know many people that have that story. And the other thing is I hear people who have so much time in sobriety that like for me, a day was a miracle. So I kind of wanted to share like the other side of things, right? Yes. Of like, yes. you know, like 
I just went to my first wedding sober. Like yes. I've never done that before. I got how was it? every wedding. Fun. So fun. Like how, how did so you, fun. you probably heard this in my story where like one of my main objections to getting sober was my wedding. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> my wedding. Having <laughs> toast. Like, yeah. Like, like as if that was an thing. insurmountable. That's a big thing. Who doesn't get shit-faced at weddings? Like, it's just a cultural thing. Right, no, that's right. that's a really legitimate question. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for appreciating my... What? How did you get through a so, your first sober wedding? What was that yeah. like? So, I mean, I would say it was difficult because it was beautiful. It was in the state of Washington um, in the Cascade Mountains. They got married in the mountains. So beautiful. Suffice it to say, though, it was a weekend filled with alcohol. I mean, drinking till 2 a.m., right? Waking up and then drinking to take care. We know. I know. how. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hair of the Um, dog, baby. Yeah, exactly. Right. So my husband and I just did, you know, what we helped each other, thank God, like through the whole thing. And we are runners and hikers, like super active people. So we would just, yeah, we would just go to bed early, right? We'd be like, okay, guys, like we don't drink. We just don't drink. And everyone was so nice. I remember worrying about it. Oh, first of all, everyone was too drunk to even care. Oh, they you know don't what care. I mean? Like, don't give me You're a like, shit. Yeah. Good for you, man. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. Uh, oh, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. As they're, for as sure. they're literally guzzling it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've been mm-hmm. to that part. And then, oh, yeah. And I'm up at 6 a.m., like ready to run, yeah. like running. Mm-hmm. And then they're waking up and they're like, wow, I wish I was like, that's so fucking awesome. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, I feel great. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. I, don't feel disgusting, you know. Yep. I just ran three miles, you know. So it, yeah, I mean, we just did smart things, right? Like we went yeah. to bed early. We we made incentives to go hiking and running, and like made other plans. And we told people just like upfront, like, "Hey, we're just not drinking." Yeah. Did you make the plans before you went to the to the wedding? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's that's key. Yeah, told. Yeah. I and I talked to my sponsor about it. You know, just which is super helpful. Like, oh, everyone. I feel like everyone should have a sponsor. <laughs> you know, Agreed. just like. Someone that you can like Agree. talk to about everything, Agree. you know, but she's like, well, just like, I've been through the same thing. She, her husband, or she has a similar story. Her husband and her got sober at the same time, like very similar. Um, and she's like, yeah, I remember my first wedding, like just leave early, call me, you know? So I did, I did all the things I was supposed to do, you know, and it worked. It really worked. <laughs> Go, and that's, it was, that's the other thing is like, do simple. what I tell you to do. And I swear <laughs> to God, it'll work. Like stop trying to, you know, change it, it up. Yeah. Like yeah. don't make it hard. Just do it. Yeah. Yeah, and and yeah. you're, I think, interestingly, uh, you're tired too, which is, I think, like, by the time everybody else is, when they're drinking, even though it's a depressant, for some reason, they're, like, up and ready. And yeah. for me, it was like, I noticed that, because I went to the bars a lot while I was sober and early in sobriety. And I think what I what I always noticed was, like, I, hit, I just hit a wall where I was tired. Oh, 100%. And everybody else was drinking, so they kept going. And so for me, the helpful thing was when I hit that wall, that is a signal to me that I am not you know, as they say, spiritually fit, I, like I'm too tired to make now my decision-making capabilities are impaired and it is time for me to leave. So that wall I hit and that, you know, has helped a great deal because it's like, wait, here's a thought when you're tired, go to bed. <laughs> I was, I promise you, I was going to be like, imagine listening to your body. Right. Right. Just like, up. you know, like, but before I would like drink, like till I blacked out and then yeah. eat a shit ton of food. Like, oh, yeah. 
like I'm not hungry, but I'm eating. I'm drinking Obviously. and I feel like shit. Yeah. I threw I used to throw up and then like go back out. You know what I mean? Hundred percent. Mouthwash and just like go. <laughs> oh yeah. Like like fully, it was kind of like when I was pregnant with the twins yeah. where I would just barf and then yeah. like I my husband no, no, I'd, be, like, I'd be like, hold on a second. I'd go barf and come right back, like like as if nothing happened. Yeah. And I that was that was my drinking. It was like, I gotta barf, hold on, and then yeah. come back. <laughs> like I used to like no I was deal. like a big wine drinker, like red wine, and I would go to my classy red wine or bar, you know, and I would puke. I remember spraying because like, you know, have you ever had those? Sorry, oh, I have. My yeah. You puke and you like spray the uh-huh. wall and you're like, wow. Like, yeah. Where did that come from? Colors. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> so like, you're like taking the toilet paper. And oh, you're, yeah. Like, Look oh, at yeah. your like teeth and stuff. But oh. anyway, yeah, and you and so like I've done that at weddings and like made idiot out of myself. Like you know, just like all this shit. Like I was um you know a bridesmaid at my best friend's wedding. I was the maid of honor. Gave the thing drunk. You know the speech. Yeah, and it was just like I went to this wedding and I was like, oh my god, I was here for it. Right. right? Like I was. And it was in the mountains, so I was just like present. Yeah, I was just present, and it was just amazing. Yeah. I think that's, that's the interesting thing. Like you get to be one thing that that made me think of was like being present, right? So you got to be present during two different events. One was this wedding. You got to be present in the, in the mountains and it was beautiful, but you also got to be present for the pandemic and George Mm. Floyd and all that stuff. And so Mm. I think so much of what we're running from is being present because Mm -hmm. we want to avoid the George Floyd, the pandemic, Mm -hmm. that whatever Mm -hmm. the equivalency, I don't even know if there's an equivalency, but let's just pretend there's an equivalency. We want to avoid those feelings. But what happens is we also avoid the other feelings. And then eventually it stops working and we don't avoid any feelings. We just are drunk having feelings. (laughs) You're like drunk having bad feelings, right? But we're not present because we're not present for the bad stuff. We're also not present for the good stuff. And so it's that, um, you know, it's, it's great to have that contrast of I got to be present for the wedding and I got to be present for things that were going on on the planet that were, you know, painful. And how do I deal with both and how do I use, and in the tools, interestingly, you use the same tools, community reaching out for both, for both a good thing and a hard thing. And oh, that's it, so good. It yeah. Worked. Like, it, like it did. just use the same tools, the tools yeah work. Just use them as they've been laid out for you. It's so hard because we want to add our own flair to everything, right? We're like, yeah, but if I did this, yeah, yeah, Yeah. exactly. So I think it's really cool. And and the fact that your husband got sober is just frankly wonderful and that he, he got to be there with you and experience that with you. And you guys get to do that together. That's a real bonding experience. Oh my my gosh. My husband and I are both sober and we don't have that bonding experience. Like Mm -hmm. we're both sober. So we get each other, but we didn't get sober together. We don't know that we actually, interestingly, we don't know the people that we were before. Like he can't, Mm -hmm. he, he always says like, I can't even hear about it. Like it just doesn't, Mm -hmm. it's, I don't even Mm want to think about you that way. I can't Mm -hmm. go there. And and you guys have that bond of like seeing that change. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, and you know what's amazing? It's a it's been beautiful, right? Like it's been beautiful to watch him change. And like he told me, you know, he's like you are back to yourself cuz like I was in hot my disease was progressive For so sure. like you know, the last 3 years were just active active addiction. He's like you weren't yourself. Like and I was like, yeah, I mean, you're either <laughs> 
drunk or hungover. Right. You know, and so I'm back to like real bubbly and talkative and fun and singing. And like, you know, I didn't realize like when I, I don't know if you went through this, but like active addiction, I was like, oh my God, I wasn't myself. Like alcohol stole everything. 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 My marriage. I mean, you know, the unmanageable, everything. And so now it's like when I got sober, I'm like, everything's even just like brighter. I don't know if that's weird, but I'm like, everything is like bright and like in a good way. Like, yeah. Yeah. I can see things and I can feel things. Yeah. And like, I don't know. It's, yeah. yeah. It's, so it's, yes, it's, that's great. you're living in color. I think, I think it's interesting that, you know, the, I, well, uh, let me rephrase. How have you worked on that shame, self-esteem, guilt piece? Because that stuff doesn't just go away when it's ingrained in you so young. So what are the things that you've been doing to try to shed some of those beliefs that weren't your own? Yeah. Oh, so powerful. I would, I mean, so a big one, I'm sure you know, but like Brene Brown, I read her book. Um, it's not I think it's like, it's not just me or something like that. So like, I'm a big voracious reader. Like I read too much. I like took my obsession with like, I overdo everything. So like now I just had tons of books. Me too. Me like, too. Like Kindle. And like, I can't get rid of them. I, I have like yeah. a book. Yeah. I have a book yeah. problem where me like too. my husband's like, you've read it. I'm like, but I highlighted it and therefore I need to keep it because I need yeah. to go back to it. Yeah, exactly. And it's so bad. Like I bring them and he's like, but you're in the middle of five, but you bought like five more. And I was like, Well, anyway, so yeah, so I, Brene Brown has been like pivotal, just like understanding the difference between like guilt, like I am bad, right? And like shame or no shames, I am bad guilt, like I did something bad. And so just like even understanding what those words are and then understanding like what shame feels like, I had no concept of what it felt like, even though I lived in it, which is interesting, right? Like you, I just, because I didn't give it a word, like I didn't have a name for it. I would say, and to be honest, I'm still in it. I think like, you know, it's because I'm so new to sobriety. Like I do, I have lots of moments where I'm still like, God, I did that, you know, or I have to face this person or I'm going through that right now. Like I moved away for a year. So like I didn't have to see anybody or the places I used to drink. And now I'm slowly, I'm going to move back soon. And so I'm around like everything, right? So therapy is a big one. Sponsor. I love a, it's changed my life because just being able to tell my sponsor, like I did this and she's like, oh yeah, I mean, no big deal. You know, like you yeah. can't shock people in the room. No. Always like, that. Nope. like we literally heard nope. it all, seen it all, done it all, especially the old timers, you know? So yeah, I mean, that's been a huge one is like talking to other sober people, you know, sharing just like Instagram. I know it sounds funny, but like, I don't like put out my dirty laundry, but like, yeah. I will share. I did this or I did yeah. this or like things I'm learning. I'm a communications major. I love to talk if you couldn't tell. And, um, so I, yeah, like I u- literally use Instagram and social media to share and like get things off my chest. And that's been huge because like when you, you take shame, like from inside yourself and put it out, it like doesn't fester anymore, you know? And it's like, oh, like I can forgive myself for that. This thing that you know? you've been it's, so afraid to show yeah. anyone and you show like them the and it's darkest. Right. Yeah. And it's like not yeah. a big deal. Mm-mm. No, not at all. And in fact, like even like the last, my low was like, I had a job and I showed up to that job drunk and I told my boss, um, she knew I was drunk, obviously, but I told her like, <laughs> you know, what's funny on a side note, who was I talking to? As someone who was like, you know, I was like, I didn't think I was that drunk, you know? And because we always think we're like not yeah, that yeah. drunk. You know? right, and then right. you're around someone that's drunk when you're sober and you're like, did I look like that? You know, when you're like, yeah, you did. Like, yeah. Yep. Yeah. But we always think we're not that <laughs> totally drunk. Totally. Not you know that I mean? drunk. Not drunk. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, no, you definitely um, were. 
Oh, you are. Yeah, like, because I remember thinking, like, I wonder if she knew I was drunk. And, like, honestly, I know. She's like, I wonder if she knows that she is completely drunk. Right. Like, but this is funny. So I, um, this is a shameful thing and I'm still working through, but I like sharing it. The night, my, my low, I had started drinking with my husband because that's what we were doing at home. He fell asleep. I went to my neighbor's, just knocked on the door at 2 a.m. because I was drunk. And so we kept, I know, I know. And we kept drinking. So then they went to bed like normal people. I took my wine glass in slippers, in a robe and like walked my neighborhood. Just like walked. I don't know. You're drunk. Like, yeah. And so I was knock. I swear to God, knocking on people's doors. Oh, like, no. hi, my name is Christina. Like, are you up? And like, pe- people were like, the fuck? Like, what? <laughs> I'm surprised someone didn't call the cops on me, honestly. And like, so I see this house and like the lights are on and like someone's in their like porch in their backyard and it says like, do not trespass. I'm like, ah, they don't care. So I climb the fence, put my wine glass down, climb the fence, go over, knock on the door. There's this guy named Toby sitting and he's drunk. Like who else is up at 4 a.m. unless you're drunk? And so like I drank with this guy till 7 a.m. in the morning and I had a meeting at eight. His wife came in, smoked meth around me and I almost did meth for the first time. And I was like, no, but I'll take some Adderall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I took some Adderall, felt great. Went to my meeting, hammered, you know. And so I just went on like a two-day bender, went back to this guy's house, drank with him all night again. And then I came home and, you know, my husband was like, if you drink again, like I'm leaving you, you know. And I was like, okay, I'm going to get help. And, you know, so that's my shame-filled moment. And I, you know, I think it's lessening the more I tell it. It's forgiving myself. That's another one. I'm doing um, also something called a self-compassion workbook. It's like called mindfulness, self-compassion. And it's actually like a document of like type of therapy. And so that's been life-changing. It's just kind of learning how to like hold yourself accountable for your actions, but like being compassionate, right? Like yeah. On the same side. So right. I, I mean, there's just been like, sorry, that was kind of long-winded, but a whole plethora of things. I love it. How did you get you know, a lot of people really struggle to come into AA and the program because they feel that the God stuff is really heavy and the higher power stuff, right? And so that is a huge barrier for many, many people. Coming from that, you know, I call it religious trauma. Coming from religious trauma, how did you feel? How did you make sense of or not have that or did it trigger you? And how did you get over it? Oh, for sure. I mean, I think, you know, I was just, well, one, I was just so miserable and I didn't know where else to go. I was just broken. Like step one was super easy for me. And I, so I was like, I'm willing to try anything. Like these people have something, they're doing something right. Like religion. And you know, I should suffice it to say too, like religion wasn't always bad. Like there were a lot of beautiful parts to religion and I still consider myself a Christian. Um, I'm still figuring it out. Like I don't have all the answers, right? Like, but there's a lot that like the social justice piece, the caring, the like that, you know, all of that is a result of my faith. I know it is, you know, so I, there were parts that were good. And so I was like, well, let's give this a try, you know? And I remember thinking like people were the problem, right? Like the church right, 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 the right. problem, not God. And so I, AA, I do say this though, AA brought me back to my faith a hundred percent. Hundred percent. That's part of my lead, my story, whatever you want to call it. Um, to a God of my own understanding. When I heard that I had that freedom, it was like you know you don't have to have it figured out. Like it's okay. Like God is who you make it, who you understand it to be. And so I, it was easy once I got 
through that. You know what I mean? And just, and then I met people who were so different than the way I was raised. So different, so kind, so loving, you know? And so it was just like, well, whatever they have, like, I want that, right? right. you know? So I'm willing to like do whatever. So at first I was reticent for sure, you know, but I will say it's funny. I, because I grew up, I call it cult. I grew up in like a cult, like school and church for sure. I always have to be mindful that AA can get like that. You kind of have to watch. For sure. For you sure. know, like, so I'm from Cleveland and I'm not sure if you know, but like Akron is where it was founded, um, which is yes, like, I do. yeah, yeah. So up there, it's like, Bill oh, Wilson's I'm sure. house is like, the oh, yeah. holy land. I mean, like, <laughs> I believe it. Like, I know lots like of weird. people who drive there, like Mecca, they oh, drive. They yeah. Oh, they do. Like they do um, like an AA conference up there. And like I did it online this year, obviously, because you can't. But like 50,000 people. I mean, it's not a joke. Like it's a big. But anyway, so like up up there, it's very like, like I, cause I have the perspective of AA in two different states. And it was, it's been great in Virginia, like just a little bit different. And, but AA, I'm very rigid. Like you can't swear in your leads, you know, stuff oh, like yeah. that. You're like, oh, yeah, I know, yeah. I know. No can do. And like, you know, or you'll have the old timers that, like, we've gotten away from the big book, you know, and you're like, mm, all right, you know, like, yeah. Calm yeah. So yeah. like in those senses, I can see parallels to my church and the way I was raised. Right. And so my, ther- my therapist is always like, you know, just be aware of that and like take the good, you know, right. and just leave. Yeah. Like take what applies to you. Let the book book thumpers do their thing. And I do, you know, I'm like, okay, like. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, I mean, I think that's, that's, that's what I've done for many, many, in yeah. fact, yeah. for, in fact, for many years when I came to AA, because it was like legit the last house on the block, like uh, nothing else had worked and I had tried yeah, so many things. And I was like, all right, whatever. I just ignored the God part, literally. I was like, okay, yeah. I'll, I'll believe. Like, And I used um, yeah. G-O-D group of drunks. So when they were like... <laughs> oh, I uh, love that. Um, I never, or that. Uh, G-O-D good orderly direction. So I was yeah, like... I know that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I would just pray to AA. I was like, AA is a power greater yeah. than me. Yeah. And I don't know what I'm praying to or why this makes a difference. Yeah. But I just... Sure. I like went with through the motions. And for a long time, you know, that... You know, people would be like, my sponsor would say to me, you know, you need to pray about it. And I would be like, uh, okay, I'll pray to the pray ocean. To but... AA. Yeah. A tree. And I, I, I literally was like, okay, I'm talking to myself. This is cool. Okay. This is, this is cool. And I just did it. Cause there was, I, I was a certain point where this was, wasn't, I didn't have anything else to argue with and I didn't believe it. I didn't believe it, but I also, knew that nothing else I was doing was working. So I just did it. I just did like, and, and the act your way into new thinking, it was pivotal for me. Act your way into new thinking. Just make your, you know, we called it smart feet. Get your, your feet take you to the meetings. Your feet take you to where you need to go. Your head is not going to want to go with you. And you just have smart feet and you go. And eventually the thinking starts to, to shift. And I've even made amends, um, gone through my nine step and made amends that at the time I didn't mean. Yeah. I wow. didn't mean them. I didn't. But wow. what's amazing, and they were really difficult amends to make. And I was like, I just want to do this. I made the amends. There's one in particular to a cl- close friend of mine who started sleeping with my boyfriend for a very long time. And um, as you can imagine, I was not super happy about that. And so when I made amends to her early in sobriety, I really did it to show her that I was a better person than she was. But I said all the right things. 
Right. And I did what I was told to do. And what happened is that now, many, many years later, I actually feel the way I said. How powerful. So like I didn't mean it at the time, but I do mean it now. And so, but I cleaned up that side of the street and I acted my way into new thinking. I, I, so many times I went to meetings just so that I could meet boys. I mean, seriously, Um, (laughs) like I, I was like, there's a hot guy at this meeting. I'm just going to go or whatever. Like I didn't go for the recovery. There were so many times where I didn't pick up a drink because I didn't want a new sobriety date. Yeah. That's oh, I've been it. There. Oh, that sure. is it. That's the only reason I did not pick up a drink was my ego was like, you cannot do pick up a drink because you cannot be a newcomer again. This is ridiculous. So I'm not doing this again. I'm not doing this again. I don't want to be a newcomer again. Not I'd like to be sober. I love all the value. Oh, I, I've committed to my family. None of that ever occurred to me. It was simply, I do not want to stand up as a newcomer. So, but, and that was why I was telling you like, it just accumulates if you use those things. Like it doesn't really matter why you're doing it in that right. moment. If you do right. the right action, your head will follow. You just have to keep going. Just don't right. stop. Keep going. You know, they keep going yeah. back, keep coming back. And when I say keep coming back, keep coming back to your, you know, we are the lucky ones. Like we are mm-hmm. the luckiest, we, you know, keep coming back to, you know, whatever it is, whatever support group, whatever thing you're doing to help you stay sober, keep mm-hmm. going back to it because eventually, and it doesn't, I used to think that I had to think, or I had to believe everything that we were talking about. Mm-hmm. I, and if I had had to yeah. believe everything we would, we were talking about in recovery, I wouldn't have stayed sober. Right. That is so good. I love that. Yeah, that's a great distinction to make too. And I'm still there. A lot of it I hear, I get frustrated or especially old timers. Like they say stuff like you leave, you're going to relapse. You know, there's the black and white thinking stuff where I'm like, "Mm," you know, but you're right. Like it works. And that's how I was like you. I was like, I don't know if I believe all of this. I don't know what I think. Right. (laughs) I need help. And these people are happy. You know, like they're right. laughing, they're they have friends, they have jobs, they have husbands or, you know, whatever. I'm like, my life is literally falling apart. Like, right. I'm like, gonna try. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you want well, me to pray? Sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I used to say, I was like, I was at the point where it's like, if you want me to put on a clown suit and do a dance in the streets, because <laughs> that will help, I will do it. I cannot be in pain yeah. anymore. I just nope. can't do it. It's right. too painful. Right. Yep. I get it. Well, you are amazing. And I am so grateful that you found the podcast, that you have found sobriety, recovery, and all the tools that you have found. I mean, you really, it's clear to me that you really were seeking and that you continue to seek. And that, that will, no matter what happens, all of that will make your life bigger and better. So I am... Uh, just so happy for you. So proud of the work that you've done and uh, really, really grateful you came on here because, you know, we get a lot of people who, you know, are pretty far away from a drink and it's so valuable to hear like what, what the experience is like closer and closer. So I'm, I, I yeah. love, I love that you got sober in 2020. What a shit yeah, show. Thank you. Yeah, I know. You're right. <laughs> well, I want to say thank you too. Like your podcast has been a huge part of my recovery. Like I said, you know, I seek a lot and I probably spend too much time on Instagram, but you know, but like it's finding you and finding your podcast and like hearing other people is so inspiring. And on the flip side of that, I'm grateful that you let me share because a lot of times I do get afraid because I don't have as much time because I think that's something that might not be as healthy in our community is like we value time. Well, how much time do you have? You know, and I love the 
what you said is like, we're not really that different. That's amazing. I wouldn't have thought about it like that, but that's incredible. You know, you have 13 years, I have nine months, like, but we still just have today. We, I mean, it really is. I've seen so, I think what it is is that I've seen so many people go out and I know what goes through my head at, you know, at this time. So it's, it's easy to look at these people with amounts of time that are incomprehensible for, for, I mean, I, I did it too. And, uh, and think that something is vastly different and there are things, I mean, there are things that are different. There is work that's been done, but we are alcoholics and I have seen people who had everything and 30 years go out and pick up a beer. Mm. you know, and, yeah, and, and right. it's just really important. And you saw it with, you saw it with your sponsor, which frankly, I think is, is a really big gift for you to see, like, we're not different. We're not different. We're just doing this together. We, we really do just have today. We really do. Like that's a real, I think that's, and we, we have, that's for anyone, not just people in recovery. Like we just, it's what we do today. Right. So good. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. This podcast is sponsored by lionrock.life. Lionrock.life is a recovery community offering free online support group meetings, useful recovery information, and entertainment. Visit www.lionrock.life to view the meeting schedule and find additional resources. Find the joy in recovery at lionrock.life.